global shortages are causing farm input costs to skyrocket. A better way to farm shows you how to take control of inputs and maximize profits so you can farm the way you want. Now, from America's heartland, here's your host. Joining us today is the grain bin entrapment expert of Minnesota. He was a firefighter for over 30 years, drives across the entire Midwest and probably a a little bit beyond helping co-ops and even companies like Syngenta on their grain handling equipment and their safety equipment to make sure that as we're around those grain bins, we're as safe as possible. Our next guest was also born and raised on a farm in southwest Minnesota, owns multiple companies with his wife by his side. And so let's help welcome to this episode, Mr. Jack Voles. Jack, thank you very much for joining us. I think I could have had an intro that was probably as long as this episode can be. I hope I did it some justice, but why don't you go ahead and kind of introduce yourself to our listeners? One little correction, I'm from South Central Minnesota. I'm just south of Mankato, Minnesota. So we're South Central Minnesota. I have a lot of knowledge, but I also learn things every day about grain bins, grain entrapment, and just farming in general. Which is what we are all about. Obviously, the name of our company, the brand, is a better way to farm. Uh, whether you follow us on a Facebook page, other social media, or even a better way to farm on this podcast platform. And it's always nice to connect, you know, farmers to others in the industry. And we try to do some things seasonally. Obviously, you can listen to this episode whenever you want, but it is kind of the start or kind of the quarter way through harvest. And we thought it would be a good idea to bring on some things that are kind of relevant that we really need to talk about, but a lot of people probably don't think about. And we were very, very blessed to have Mark share your information with us, Jack. And you can kind of lead us down this area where I'm assuming we've all got our grain bins emptied out and now we're starting to fill things up. We've got to really pay attention to the safety aspect of it. There, We probably know of or know personally people that have been involved in you know, grain handling or, or grain bin accidents. And so that's where we, we were able to reach out to you and, and you were fortunate enough to to give us some time today. So again, why don't you kind of jump into a little bit about, you know, what you do and, and kind of how you got your start. As a firefighter, we get involved in these things. Uh, we have an entrapment. Uh, I was involved in the first entrapment in 1995. It was a family friend of ours that actually passed away. I mean, it was what we call a recovery uh, in a 50,000 bushel bin full of corn. Kind of lit a spark under me. And then uh, and he, I did a little bit off and on. And then in 2004, got an opportunity to work with a, a college that had designed a grain bin rescue and entry prop and doing training. And since then, it, it, it's been wide open for me. I am currently parked on a gravel road out in the middle of North Dakota, headed to my 55th grain safety and rescue training session this year. Started off a little bit slow in the beginning of the year, and now we're going, and I think I've got about 30 or 40 more planned before the end of the year. So we do a lot of training for uh, places, and I'll do it for farmers. I do it for cooperatives. I do rescue training for fire departments, but we see this happening, you know. I'm a little concerned with the harvest that we have in our area in southern Minnesota this year because We've got some corn that is is dry, 15% coming out of the field in some spots. And as they go across the field, all of a sudden they're up to 28%. 
And that's a kind of a recipe for disaster, trying to get that corn dried properly to get it in a bin and keep it in good condition. When you have those extremes and that moisture, what does that kind of create in that grain bin layer as it gets applied into that grain bin? You know, we, we like to dry the corn down to, you know, 15% is probably the maximum what we can keep it decent at. Kind of get down to 13 and below if you want to keep it for long periods of time. For the dryer operator that has corn coming in, going through it 15, 18%, and then all of a sudden it jumps in the same load or the next load up to 20 plus, 24, 28%, trying to adjust that dryer and get, get that grain down to where it needs to be for proper storage. It's a horrible challenge. And I foresee that, you know, I've, I've took for a long time here that rather than doing grain bin rescue and grain bin entry training, if I could just teach guys how to keep their grain from spoiling, we wouldn't have near the issues we have with people having to get in bags. Well, and I know that that's one of the things that, you know, you can basically create a, a grain shelf. And because of that spoilage part of it, you know, if you put um, some good quality grain on top of some poor quality grain, and as you're pulling out of that bin, sometimes those shelves can be created. And so you go up to that bin, assuming that for some reason it's still three quarters full, when all reality it's only a quarter full, but the, that layer is, is up there. And I know that that's a huge problem as well. Some people can fall through that because you have no idea what's below you. Yeah, we can have a crusting situation where there's either that where they fall through the crust down into the grain or the flip side of that is uh, we get a crust and it pulls a chunk down over the top of the sump of the bin and it plugs. So we have people going in trying to get that sump open up to get the grain to flow back out of the bin. Both are unbelievable challenges for guys. You know, I hear all the time when we have somebody getting entrapped, I hear uh, or see on social media and hear around saying, you know, Farmers just shouldn't go in bins. They don't need to go in there. If somebody born and raised on a farm, I can tell you, yes, they do need to go in there. That's part of the job we need to do to make sure that our grain is flowing well and, and maintaining its condition. You know, there's times we go into the bin that's it's very safe. And there can be times that we go into the bin uh, on grain that might not be safe. And knowing what, what those times are is very, very important for us to be able to not get hurt, not die in a bin. Well, and you were just um, kind of off air a little bit. We were talking about it. And just a few days ago up in Minnesota, there was a gentleman that was involved in an accident with a kind of a power sweep auger. He got kind of stuck in that. So, you know, that's the other side of it that, yeah, maybe you're just working the, the floor and trying to clean that bin out. But there are still very real, you know, possibilities of getting snagged up in a in a sweep auger or something like that. And there's, yeah, there's the mechanical issue too. I mean, that was a 30 year old young man from young, by my standards, from over by Wyndham, Minnesota, that got trapped in a power sweep and had lost both his legs. And they have been amputated. He's doing very, very well. It doesn't sound like there's infection setting in. From what I've heard, I talked last night to somebody. They said he's doing very well. He's upbeat. And he says, these things happen. We just to make sure they don't happen to anybody else. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why we're we're doing this episode with you today is, is to get that message out. And again, it's one of those things that we need to treat with care, but we shouldn't live in fear of going in a grain bin or, or you know, handling grain in any way. But we just need to be smarter about our approach. And that kind of leads me on to another conversation that we had 
Does it seem like through social media, we hear about more of these accidents? Not only is there social media, so news is, is spread faster, farther, but also the equipment that we use to handle this grain is getting larger as well. And, and so we're seeing kind of an uptick of this across all those platforms because of that. Well, social media actually, you know, helps us spread the news faster and wider, I guess is the way to put it. But there are some things that are on social media that, you know, it's on the internet, it must be true, but it is not. Um, but yeah, you know, typically our number one months for grain entrapments are June and July. That's kind of driven by, you know, the farmers. We're, we put the grain in the bin in the fall, we freeze it down to make it last longer or cool it down, keep ventilation on it. And then we watch it through the winter months and we move some out and we may pull the cores out, do all kinds of other things to make that grain stay longer. But then there's something that happens in the spring. It's called spring planting. And we all come on a tractor and we're gone for two months getting stuff done between planting spring and all the things that come with it. And the grain gets, we don't watch it. And when that grain is, is changing temperature because it's warming up outside, that's when we end up with a bunch of spoilage happening. By the time we get back to it, it's May, June, and all of a sudden now we know why June and July are big months because that's when we catch on that we have a problem. Now, why it's happened? Some of it's spoiled grain. Some of it is it's the way I've always done it. I've worked in a bend for all my life on the farm and never had a problem. And that's part of it. The other thing is our grain storage structures have changed. You know, I think back of the old government bends, as we called them up here. We're looking at a 5,000 bushel bend. And guys crush them and sell them for scrap iron. Oh, and that's what they do. Uh, even even bigger bends than that, we don't use them unless we absolutely have to. Uh, the average size bend being sold today is over 100,000 bushels. The unloading rates are, you know, in the old bends, four or six-inch augers. The unloading rates under the bends we have now are eight to 10-inch augers, sometimes bigger. I know I was working in a facility here not long ago that they have a 60,000 bushel per hour unloading rate. That's one semi an hour. You just can't get away from that when you're inside. It just gets too much too fast. And, and people are used to the old small augers. Oh, I can walk away from that and get up on top. Not a problem. And you get in the big one and it draws down so fast that you just get entrapped. Yeah. Well, I, I've told this story before, and granted, it's still grain handling, but it wasn't going into a bin. doesn't matter the company, but when the grain auger that came out that had a 24-inch unload auger on it, a guy that their, their farm picked one of those up, and he had always been running the grain cart before, and he'd always fire everything up and start unloading, and he'd always smoke a cigarette. He'd step out of the tractor cab, light up a cigarette, and watch as the grain would flow out of the cart and onto the trailer and he said that when they picked up that new grain cart with that 24 inch unload auger that when he fired everything up and he got out of the tractor to light up the cigarette the grain was already running over the side of the trailer he had to jump back in the tractor and move it because like you mentioned when you have equipment that you are literally taking out a truckload of grain a minute that's pretty impressive how quick we can move grain. And and so we've got to be vigilant. Again, we don't need to live in fear, but we just have to stay vigilant and, and stay smart in, you know, how we do things. I guess at this point, I'm, I'm going to kind of move it towards the individual farmer. What are some of those things that you're teaching 
those growers about how to handle grain safely? Well, you know, one of the things I, I always hear is, as I'm out doing grain safety talks, is I'll have farmers or producers, whatever you call it, want to call them, that are telling me, you know, I'm out there working alone. I get it. I understand 100%. You operate your own farm. We operate our own farm. We all work alone from time to time. You might have a farm that has several people on it, and they all have different jobs they're out doing for the day, and you're hauling grain for the day. So you're working alone. 99% of the time, there's not a problem with that. I pull up with the truck or the, or the wagon or whatever. I pull up. I turn the auger on. I turn the uh, the unload or the reclaim off the, off the bin on. I open the sump, and it draws out and fills the wagon of the truck, and I shut it off and drive away when I'm done. It's the time when that doesn't work that we need to stop and evaluate what we're doing. Uh, you know, you get in there and all of a sudden the grain's not flowing. And it's it's everybody's, the first thing everybody does is they run to the top of the bin and look in. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with looking in from the outside, see what you've got, what happened. But then the next step is a step you need to think about. If you're working alone, it is so important that if you enter a bin at any time, you have somebody watching over you, and I, I mean whether it's full or it's down in the sweep auger, it's doing what it needs to do. You need to have somebody watch over when you're in there. If something happens, somebody's got to call 911 or whoever's going to come and rescue you out of there. And, you know, I hear guys say, well, I work alone. There isn't anybody. So let's say this time of year, somebody gets hurt. We're just going into fall harvest up here. Things are running, just getting started. We got a little bit of rain, so we're not running right now. but we will be in a few days. What happens if somebody gets hurt this fall? What happens to their crop? A lot of guys say, well, it doesn't get harvested. Truth of the matter is, he gets harvested. The farming community as a whole comes together, and all of a sudden the neighbors will show up. Uh, I've worked in several of these over the years where all of a sudden we have six or eight combines group up in a day and trucks and, and carts and you name it, and we all go over and harvest and Sometimes even the tillage gets done right away because we know that our neighbor has fallen on, we'll call it bad times, and needs some help. And we know that he would do the same for us. Well, think about that. Our neighbors helped us. What happens if you need to go into a bin? What's short on calling a neighbor saying, hey, I got a bin here, got a sump plugged or something wrong with it. Could you come over and watch over me? You know what they're going to say. They'd be glad to they can't they can't maybe not today but tomorrow would work out there's other options i've always said go to town go to the coffee shop see if there's a retired guy in there that's looking for something for do the other day a retired farmer love to do nothing more than come out and be on the farm for a day and then there's the joke i always use of i'd rather have an 80 year old farmer watching over me than a 15 year old kid because 80-year-old is not his phone playing games and social media while he's watching over me. <laughs> right. he's, watching over. he's not making a TikTok while you're in the grain bin. <laughs> That's right. This isn't a big expense. I mean, it's not a big expense to you to have these guys come out. It's just kind of saying, swallowing your pride a little bit saying and saying, I need some help. That's what it is. That is so true. And in the, in the, in the end, I, I was going to say the world we live in, but the industry that we're in, this, this agricultural environment, especially to farmers, a few months ago, we did kind of a, a mental health series, and I was really excited to do some of those interviews for that. 
And this falls along those lines is that we are incredibly proud to be producers, farmers, growers, because, it, you know, we've got our in, our entire investment in there. Our entire life is invested into this building, this farm or whatever it is. But we're so involved and invested in it that our pride can get in the way. And that's the biggest thing is that, again, like you said, Jack, when, when you notice something is not right, go try to find some help. Go find that retired farmer uptown sipping on some coffee and say, hey, if I buy you some lunch in a couple hours, will you come out and, and just watch me as I go into the grain bin or, you know, help me do this or whatever? Those guys are going to be chomping at the bit. But the biggest thing is that we have to stop and we have to say, you know what? I need help and I need to go find help instead of trying to do this on our own. And then all of a sudden, Jack gets a phone call and he's coming out there and he's doing a recovery on an individual. And that's the scary part that we don't want to have. So sorry for jumping in, but I had to share that as well, that pride is a good thing, but can also be a bad thing in our world. Absolutely. I mean, I've said for years, farming is not a job. It's a way of life. It is a life, period. And we all understand that uh, if you're from the farming world, we'll call it, or the, the farming community, you understand that. When these guys are in there, it's it's not a bad idea to put a harness and tag line on them to keep track of them. Because that's not the most important part in my world when I look at it. Having the unloading and loading equipment shut off. The industry, we call it lockout tagout. The other thing I encourage all of our producers to do is I get out there and I see a lot of these facilities, and a lot of them. You know, the, the switch for the unloading auger is not labeled. I know what it is, he says. Switch for the loading equipment isn't labeled. The fans aren't labeled. These are things that if something ever happens, your first responders are going to know what switches, need to know which switches run what to save your life. $3 sharp, you'll do a great job of marking an electrical panel as what it needs. It doesn't have to be a fancy label, label maker, whatever. And mark your bands, bend one, two, three, four. Maybe B, C, D, whatever it is. Get a marking on the bend so we've got something to go by when we get there. These are great ideas that don't cost hardly any money for you that in the long run may save a life. When you go in there, harness and tagline is good. Have somebody watching over that, hanging on to it. It may or may not keep you from being entrapped, but it may help. They make systems now that have pulleys up on the roof and all kinds of systems for bends. Probably one of the things I've seen with those is uh, the guys that buy them, they don't maintain them very well. They're 10 years old, same rope, just hanging there and things like that. But there's lots of different ways to keep yourself safe in there. But locking that stuff out is most important to me. Make sure that everything's shut off. You know, you could still become entrapped in a bin like that. All the unloading equipment and loading equipment is shut off. You can still become entrapped. But the odds of you becoming entrapped over your head and it becoming a, a life-threatening entrapment are much diminished. You might get buried to your legs you know, or knees or, or even up into your waist. The bigger bends we have now, the amount of corn when it starts flowing into that center, into that, that cone shape, has gotten tremendously larger. A few years ago, I measured a bend that we, we were flowing into the center. A million bushel bend, by the way. Big bend. That thing gained 16, over 16 feet in the middle when it flowed in. When we start talking other bands that are large in diameter, the amount of flow that flows in when that grain flows in is just gigantic. One of the things they do is when we have somebody that gets entrapped, 
whether it's and they entrapped and get out or we recover their body, I almost always interview the people that were involved in that and find out what works and what doesn't work. And the guys that we've talked to that said, you know, I was working in there in the corners midway up my shins like it normally is when I'm working. It got a little bit deeper and I was working my way out. It was going good. And then all of a sudden it flowed in from the outside. Uh, certain flow is the phrase we call that. And he says, all of a sudden I'm buried above my knees and I can't get away from it. And it's continuing to draw me down. Well, if the unloading equipment's on, it's going to continue to draw you down until it gets shut off. Plain and simple. That flow in, in a bend may still entrap you somewhat. Odds are you're not going to lose your life over it. We make a phone call, somebody comes out and helps us out, and we walk away and we live to farm another day. Yes. Yeah. And with that being said, are there any resources as far as like websites or, or literature that some of these growers could go to? There is so much information out there. I know in Minnesota, we have a granting program in the state of Minnesota that they can apply to the Minnesota Department of Ag. They'll give you money on how many each bend. If you have five bends, you'll get so much. If you have two bends, you'll get so much. And it is money that can be spent on harness and tag lines. It can be spent on cages around ladders. It can be spent on just a grain level monitoring uh, system so that you know how full the bed is. It can be spent on lots of different things. Uh, there's lots of programs out there in many different states. And if you keep your eyes open, are there. Yeah, and that to me is is also huge because, again, being the one-man band, you know, or having the, the one single grower, male or female out there, to have some of the technology that we have available today is probably more vital than something that you you might pick up on, you know, a, a marketing program that's a few bucks an acre. Well, maybe you should take that few bucks an acre and invest in that that handling system so that you can improve that. <laughs> because if you're not around to tell that story. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, what marketing plan or, you know, what new tractor you have or whatnot. Maybe you should have invested in some sensors to tell you the the grain level or, you know, something along those lines. So I, I absolutely appreciate that. So, yeah, whatever state that you are listening to this episode in, do a quick, especially a quick Google search. And I know that Jack would be glad to help you out. So I, I'm not going to share your information, Jack. I'm going to ask if that's all right, if you share some information Absolutely. Um, it's, 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 on how to get a hold of you. It's fantastic. And and I get phone calls from anything. We're looking for help with safety to doing safety talks, do a safety training to just flat out. I've got a bin. I've got a problem with, with spoiled grain. How do I get this out of there? How do I get it to work? And we've got multiple different ways that we've used that work. They don't always all work the same way. Sometimes you got to Got to switch and try a different method, but many of these entrapments are so preventable with just a little bit of help and knowledge and, and just asking for help. I can't reiterate that enough is if you're having problems, ask for help, whether it be a neighbor, whether it be somebody that's experienced in it, whatever you feel you need, reach out to somebody. Well, if you are listening to this as that grower and maybe you're tied to Corn Board, Soybean Association, Farm Bureau, something like that. 
think about trying to find and maybe you're close enough that that Jack might come down and do a meeting for you like he was talking about, but find that expert. I think we need to be more proactive and and have some of these meetings before it's too late. I I think it's something that we just kind of kick by the wayside and say, yeah, you know what? Again, Jack, like you alluded to, I've been doing this for years and I've been fine. That stuff doesn't happen to me because I'm a smaller operation or whatever the case may be, whatever you think, reach out to that local board. Or if you're a part of that, then be proactive and and set some meetings up to kind of help prevent some of this stuff. That's never the phone call that you want to make when your husband or wife is has gone for a little longer than than you think and you find out that they crawled in a grain bin and they're not crawling back out. So, Jack, as we kind of wrap up this episode, what advice do you have for them kind of moving forward to, to keep their eye on? You know, there's there's lots of programs out there that we talked about. That's one thing. The other thing is just I, I always say think about what's going to happen. You, you spent all this work on your operation, your farm. What's going to happen if you're not here tomorrow? What's going to happen to your family? I've seen operations that they've lost a family member in an entrapment and the farm just ceased to exist in a year or two. They just can't go on. You know, I had a guy one time say to me, you know, think about this or seeing a presentation I was at, think about this. You've got young kids and, and you want to play catch with them and you want to go to the lake with them and you want to ride bike with them and all these things. Who's going to do that with your young kids if you're not around? Think about what's going to happen. Just get help. Don't be afraid for ask for help if something's going not normal is the way to put it. Well, Jack, thank you very much for that advice. Thank you very much for the time. And I I look forward to hopefully meeting you in person one day. It was great to chat with you. And uh, you take care of yourself and have a safe drive across the great state of North Dakota. For those of you that are listening, I thank you again. We always, always, always appreciate you tuning into our podcasts. And as always, we hope that you have a better day. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.